Welcome to the Early Parenting Podcast, where we help you navigate the somewhat tricky world of parenthood so you can love the crap out of being a mama. I'm your host, Jen Butler, and I'm an early parenting consultant and a mama of two busy, busy boys. Join me as I explore all things early parenting and deliver them to you in toddler-friendly, bite-sized lessons. Because let's be honest, your toddler is probably smothering pseudo-cream on the wall as we speak. I'll be dropping my hottest tips on baby and toddler sleep, feeding, boobs, behavior, and so much more. Are you ready to feel confident in motherhood? Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Early Parenting Podcast. In today's episode, it's a little bit of a special one because I am going to be talking all about the birth of my baby who I delivered on the 2nd of June this year at 5.53 a.m., and we had a little girl. Her name is Georgie Mae Butler, and, well, it's two weeks in since she has arrived, and it's been an absolute wonderful time for us and it's something that I'm obviously going to be talking a lot more about on the podcast but the purpose of today's podcast was in fact to talk about my birth story because who doesn't love a good birth story and I'm really happy that the story I can tell is a happy one. Anyone who follows me over on Instagram might have caught my story around the birth of my second son, Ted. Now, in an I guess from an outsider looking in or hearing my story, the birth of Ted doesn't sound like it would have been, I guess, what you would call a traumatic birth. However, heading into Georgie's birth, or aka Tiny Diamond that she was known for for the whole nine months, and to be honest, it took us about two weeks to adjust to her new name. Um, which is Georgie, and sometimes we even catch ourselves saying Tiny Diamond still, which is hilarious. It'll probably be a nickname. Anyway, I digress. But I was quite nervous throughout the pregnancy about the impending birth because with Ted, it was a precipitate birth, so it was incredibly quick, and that sounds wonderful, right? But the thing is is that I was – it happened so quickly I was out of control and I was scared and I – was fighting against everything that was going on in my body. And look, everything turned out okay and he came out okay. But that, like, I won't ever forget that fear that I felt. And so I was really worried about losing control. So this time around, I took charge. I was very complacent with Ted's birth. I did all the prep for Max's birth, my first son. Did all the right things. You know, first pregnancy, you want to do it all right. Second pregnancy, I was like, meh, my body's done it before. I don't need to do anything. So third pregnancy, obviously I learned the hard way with Ted. Third pregnancy, I was like, right, I need to make sure that I do something different to make sure that I'm in a good headspace heading into the birth of Tiny Diamond. And so I actually did hypnobirthing. So with the lovely Tracy, now I'm going to link to Tracy's business in my show notes. Tracy services and covers the Golden Valley region, which is where I live. And she, I'm so grateful that she was able to come and take me through the hypnobirthing course because little did I realize once I get to the story, don't worry, it's coming, little did I realize that that 
was so hugely pivotal in the birth of Georgie and me, I guess, getting through and having the birth that I did. So that was such a game changer and anyone who is considering whether or not, you know, even if it's your first or fifth or whatever pregnancy, I think it's just so important to take some time to prepare because, yeah, once I dive into the story, it'll all make sense. So speaking of that story, let's get stuck in. (laughs) So it was Tuesday the 1st when things started to happen, I guess. Now, in upon reflection, like I love hindsight because I now realize that all three of my labors, the day before I went into labor properly, I had a day of really strong Braxton Hicks. Now, like they don't hurt. Like the Braxton Hicks, you know, they they don't hurt. That's the nature of Braxton Hicks. But I've always been able to feel different intensities of Braxton Hicks where, you know, I'm conscious of it happening and then there's other times that I'm super conscious of it happening and there's a lot of pressure but it's without the pain. So for all three of my labours, the day before I went into labour, I had really strong Braxton Hicks and so that was happening on the Tuesday. And as it got into the night, I would actually say arguably there were some that were slightly painful and I remember I downloaded a contraction timer app and I thought I'm just going to – I'm just going to take note of these because these seem different and I'll never forget the conversation I had with my midwife. So I went through caseload midwifery model of care. So it's called the MGP program, midwife group program at GV Health. And my wonderful midwife, Michelle, who was the person I saw every single, uh, I was going to say lesson, (laughs) every single appointment And she was there at the birth. It was just awesome. So I had that amazing continuity. And I'll just never forget her saying to me, like, I spoke a lot about my worries about, you know, I was worried about having a baby in the car. I was worried about a really quick birth and not being in hospital. Like all the things that I was concerned about in Tiny Diamond, aka Georgie's pregnancy. And I won't forget what she said to me is she was like, just remember that if things change, so if they feel different, do something differently basically that was the that was the plan is that if things started to feel different to just the everyday that I needed to take action and that stood with me <laughs> when we got to crunch time basically so that day I'd had all these Braxton Hicks and it got to the night there was some that probably had a little bit of bite to them still not painful but I thought I'm going to get in contact with Michelle So I sent her a text and she gave me a call and she just said, talk me through what's happening. And at that time, there was nothing really happening other than really strong Braxton Hicks, but it was just starting to be different. They were irregular. There was no pattern to them. And by about 10 o'clock, they actually fizzled out completely because we were umming and ahhing about whether I headed to Shep, which is where the hospital is, so Shepparton in regional Victoria. And instead, so like I'm 35 minutes from the hospital and so I was really worried about that transit period. I did not want to have a baby in the car. I also didn't want to be in cracking labour in the car because ain't nobody got time for that. So anyway, we she did say, I would love for you to come over to Shep and just stay, stay at your parents, for example. And Ryan, my husband, and I were arm in an hour and we were like, oh, look, I don't want to make a fuss if it's not going to be anything. 
So we decided that I'd just go to bed. We'd just see what the night brought on, basically. So off I went to bed around 10 p.m. And by then, like the strong Braxton Hicks, early labor contractions, whatever you do want to call them, they had fizzled out. So I thought to myself, well, it's probably just a little bit of practice stuff going on. And yeah, I don't need to worry about it. 2.30 a.m. arrives <laughs> and I was getting these same pains, but they definitely had bite to them this time. Like there was undoubtedly, there was pain to them. And I I couldn't lie down in bed. I did try to keep sleeping, but I couldn't. And I thought, well, that's different too, because I'd had a couple of nights where that had happened, but I mean, I'd ultimately slept through them. So it can't have been painful enough to have woken me. So I got up and walking around made them a lot better. They weren't actually quite really painful when I was moving, but as soon as I sat down or tried to lie down, they were very painful. And I remembered that being something that happened with Ted. So I didn't wait long. Maybe it was 45 minutes of time in that and just seeing what was going on. They were still so irregular. They were still incredibly mild and I was still not convinced that it was anything about the real deal, really, but I also knew that it was different, so I acted on that. I woke my husband. By 4 a.m., my mother-in-law had come over so that she could have the boys, and we jumped in the car, and we hadn't made a decision about whether we were going to go to hospital or whether we were just going to go to my mum and dad's place and just be closer to hospital. Ten minutes before we arrived at Shepparton, Whilst nothing changed in the car, I didn't feel any different, everything was still irregular, I just made the call and I I said, let's go to the hospital because last time with Ted, I made the decision to go to my mum and dad's and the minute I lay down in bed at my parents' place, I had these two whopping contractions and it was game on. It just happened so quickly. So I said, let's just get to hospital. I'm going to feel safe there and who knows, that safety of being in hospital might be exactly what I need to actually get into something a bit more established. So off we went. About 4.30 we arrived. My midwife got there around 5. And, you know, I was I was definitely the contractions were still irregular and still quite mild. But, like, when I was going through them, I did have to stop and concentrate. So I would stop talking. I would do my breathing that I learned in the hypnobirthing. And then I'd get to the end and I'd pick up conversation as if, you know, nothing had happened. So I was coping pretty good if I was able to maintain that conversation. I'd sort of stop and be like to Ryan, like mid-conversations, you know, have the contraction and be like, yeah, so anyway. So I was doing pretty well, you know. And I I, I think it was – I'm a bit sketchy on times exactly, but at it would have been possibly around 5.30 a.m. We did an ultrasound just to make sure that Tiny Diamond – that the head was down because there had been like I had been breaching pregnancy and the protocol at the hospital was just to double check that presentation. And I had a conversation with Michelle, my midwife on the bed saying to her how apologetic I was that I'd got her out of bed at 4am because basically I was feeling really guilty. I thought to myself, God, this isn't, this is not that, that this isn't even early labor, like nothing's really happening here and I've gotten my midwife out of bed and my husband's out of bed and I just felt really guilty. I felt like I had burdened everyone. And so that was, say, at about 5.30 and then I went and sat down on the exercise ball 
and I had this massive contraction. And at the time, we'd been listening to a playlist. Now, this is a shout out to Physio Laura, so Laura Kalia. I used a playlist that she created for her very own labor, and I've just taken it for like the, you know, the early labor stuff. It was a really upbeat track. It was really great. Like there was a mixture of like Elton John on there, Queen, Kanye West, Beyonce, Christine Aguilera. And this is the funny part. (laughs) I will forever remember this part is this massive contraction came over me. So that was one, and I I was like, whoa, like it was difficult to cope with. I used my hypnobirthing breathing, got through it, cool. Second one hit, same intensity, and my midwife was palping, and she's like, wow, you know, that that's a lot stronger than what we've been feeling. I was like, yeah, and a, f- and a switch flicked in me. So we'd been listening to these This music that was just, you know, casual, like upbeat, really cool. Christina Aguilera Dirty was playing and I just had this sudden change where I was like, can you please get Christina Aguilera Dirty off? I'm not giving birth to Dirty (laughs) by Christina Aguilera. And so anyway, the music switched to a lot more calming, you know, meditation music, just FYI, that's what we switched to. And so anyway, that after that second contraction, I really changed in my presentation. I went very inward and I had I couldn't talk between contractions. And I can't even tell you whether there was a minute or three minutes between these contractions. Those details I can't quite remember, but they the those two came really quick. And then shortly after, a third one came. And Michelle, my midwife, was palping my contraction and I started to bear down. So I was pushing basically and I said to my midwife, I was like, Michelle, I'm involuntarily pushing, which is such a midwife thing to say to another midwife that you're involuntarily pushing. But I think I was I was shocked. I, I remember that the thought process going through my head was why am I pushing? Like I, I haven't, I've been fine and I thought, oh, baby must be in a bad position. It's making me feel pushy when I'm not actually fully dilated. All these thoughts were going through my head, right? But I was pushing. Like that. that's what was going on is I, was, I wasn't actively like, you know, holding my breath. I was just bearing down and it was just that natural sort of body like movement that I just had to sort of go with it. And Michelle said, do you want me to get the birthing mat, Jen? And I was like, yes, <laughs> like I think I think so, like I think we need this. So I was down on a birthing mat and I was on all fours over, so I was sort of draped over the bed, so um, like in an upright position. And, oh, my gosh, I just remember like basically it was game on and this baby was coming whether I was ready or not. And this is where I think the hypnobirthing was so helpful because it's like my body just wanted me to really – it's like I almost wanted to go back to that fighting where like where you feel all of this pressure and you're scared of it. Like it, it, feels, it feels scary and like it hurts but – yeah, it's just, oh, my gosh, you know, like if if you have, if you know the feeling, you know that feeling. And I think that my, like initially I wanted to fight that. But then I concentrated on the 
the surge breathing that hypnobirthing teaches. And in my head, I still find it so fascinating because I felt so out of control with Ted and I felt so in control with Georgie. And I just remember being like, all right, you know, quick breath in and, you know, breathe down. And I think it was to the count of about four out. I've already forgotten that breathing technique now. <laughs> but it's it, that's what I was working with. And internally in my head, that's what I was focusing on. And it was like I was so aware of what was happening. And even when – so my waters broke just before Georgie arrived and I – I could even tell, you know, the head was coming and I just, even though it's like your body wants to expel the baby, that's that's what's going on. And so you just want to go like push and get the pressure done and over with. But there was this part in my brain that just made me breathe and really slow down, which I think was probably quite an important part and a saving grace for me. Because little Miss Georgie came with her hand up next to her face, which that is increasing the presenting part (laughs) and can lead to, you know, damage basically because there's extra areas that are stretching that you shouldn't really be there. But because I think I really concentrated on breathing rather than just going with that feeling, it allowed for everything to stretch up. Also helps that it's my third baby, let's be honest. And she was able to be born without any damage, in fact, as it turns out. I didn't even graze in the end, which was pretty great um, and has certainly aided my recovery. But this all happened and I think that like so basically then 5.53, that's when Georgie arrived. Now, to put all of this, like I've blabbered on a little bit here, but to put all of this into context around timing, Michelle, we did that ultrasound at around, I'm going to say about 5.30. Michelle put time of active labour at 5.45. Georgie arrived at 5.53. So eight minutes this this period took. It went from me questioning why I'd come in so early to baby born in eight minutes basically and I'm still in shock. Like the feeling that I felt when Georgie was brought up through behind me, through my legs, and I'm holding this beautiful little baby who I remember thinking to myself, oh, she's my smallest. I, you know, I've had my smallest baby last. Wrong, Jen. She was your biggest. (laughs) She was four kilos, which was only five grams bigger than what Ted was, but she was also a week earlier than what Ted was born. So that's interesting to know. Had she got to pass my due date, she was born at 39.2 in the end. And um, had she got to 40 plus, then I might have had a 4.2 or 3 kilo baby. Who knows? But I just remember that feeling of when she was brought up. I wasn't in shock. Like when I had Ted, I was in shock. I had the shakes. My body was shaking. My body was like, you know, rebelling against what had just happened this time it was disbelief I think that's the emotion that I can put on it because it just I couldn't believe that I'd gone from having a conversation with everyone and joking and laughing and smiling to baby born and it's just like this is the nature of birth is you just do not know how it's going to go and I mean I never could have anticipated Ted's birth I was curious 
as to whether I would have something similar with Tiny Diamond, a.k.a. Georgie. And to be honest, it was incredibly similar to Ted's. Like that was the same thing that happened with Ted where when it was on, it was on, except I wasn't in hospital with Ted and that loss of control was what really scared me. So I made the right decision in going to hospital because then I was in this safe place and I knew everything was going to be okay. And I also had the help of Michelle to guide me through and to breathe at the right places and do all of those sorts of things, which is so incredibly important to have that care provider who can help guide you through that. And so that was the delivery of beautiful Georgie Gow. And I mean, I've got a story that I am going to say for another podcast episode about the hours after birth. So initially, once she was born, everything was absolutely wonderful. We got to feed. She was just skin on skin with me for the first couple of hours and had a beautiful feed and then she had a beautiful sleep and everything was wonderful and it was just something, a part of hospital protocol that led to a cascade of intervention and I am going to save it for another podcast episode. All was well with Georgie in the end um, but that the topic itself is something I really want to talk about further because I think it's going to be a very important podcast episode for anyone really to understand a little bit about the cascade of intervention, what that is and what we can do to help, I guess, advocate for ourselves and all those sorts of things. So I won't go on about that, but the I just wanted to keep this very much birth focused and share the story of Georgie's arrival. So I'm very, very grateful to have had the late, all of the challenges that come as that baby grows. So it's definitely something I'm going to be sharing on here. It's definitely something that you'll see over on my Instagram. But I am pleased that I can share a story of positivity. And I think I really wanted to share this too for anyone who has had a traumatic birth that things can be so, so different. And just as a a part of what I did want to mention as well is that I had a conversation with a colleague, a friend, who specializes in talking through birth trauma and to help process what has gone on from a midwifery perspective. So that's Helen Nightingale from Real Life Midwife and she is such a valuable person to talk to if you ever feel like you need to debrief and process a birth that hasn't gone to plan, whether it is from the outside looking in, a birth that, you know, quote unquote, sounds wonderful, uh, which was very much my case. So it's almost like I felt guilty to reach out and have a chat to her because from someone else's point of view, they might not think that what I had identified as traumatic for Ted's birth is actually traumatic, but trauma is all in the eye of the beholder and no one can define what trauma looks like except for you. But I definitely recommend that you talk to someone when you do identify that. And Helen is your gal. I'll make sure to... um, Link to her in my show notes as well. So that's it, guys. That is Georgie's birth. And I can't wait to get back on here and share a little bit about our journey so far. But I hope that you have enjoyed this story. And I'm going to be enjoying listening back to this in the years to come. I'm still on a high, I swear, from the birth. And yeah, we're just loving ourselves sick in this little newborn bubble. So I will catch you in the next episode. Thank you so much for joining. 
Thanks for listening to the episode, Mama. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to share the episode with a friend, with your mother's group, or tag me at Jen Butler Early Parenting on Instagram. The more that know about this podcast, the more people I can help. If you're looking for support that is personalized for your babe and tailored to your family's needs, then make sure to head on over to my website, www.jenniferbutler.com.au and check out how we can work together so you can move through motherhood with confidence. Catch you in the next episode, Mama.